Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, I've heard it said this, that marriage is just two people who takes turns pushing down the trash can and hopes that the other folds and finally empties it and takes it out. That is true in our house. Heard somebody say, I married Mr. Wright. I just didn't know his first name was Always. I've got a few more of these. Please sit through them. (laughs) A wife got mad at her husband. She got so mad that he packed his bags and she told him to get out. As he walked out the door, she yelled, I hope you die a long, slow, painful death. And he said, so you want me to stay? (laughs) Little boy asked his father, Daddy, how much does it cost to get married? And he said, I don't know. I haven't stopped paying for it yet. My wife gave birth four, this is, the, this is pretty funny, someone wrote this, someone said, my wife gave birth four times and still fits in her prom dress. I gave birth zero times and I can't fit my, my pants from March. It's kind of funny. Turns around, marriage is mostly just walking behind your wife carrying heavy things. Been there and done that. This is one that doesn't work well in my family. Marriage is essentially agreeing to share 50% of your ice cream forever. Uh, we... No, no, we don't, we don't do that very well. When I say we, I mean Wendy. Wendy doesn't share her ice cream very well. She, that's her favorite food. Marriage is when you eat food and ask, do you want some? But you're really hoping they say no, right? <laughs> this is one that my wife absolutely despises. And when I start doing it, she rolls her eyes when we're in a group of people. Marriage is listening to your spouse tell the same joker story to different people and trying to act amused every time. She does that and Wendy goes, I'm like, they haven't heard it yet, honey. She said, but I've heard it 48,000 times. Hey, listen, I want to start off by telling you this, that that if you're here today and you're going, oh, great, they're going to talk about marriage. Well, let me encourage you with this. Um, you, you, have to, you have to understand what God's plan is for marriage so that when you get either older or you get married or you get connected with someone and you guys end up getting married, that you'll know what exactly to expect and you'll know exactly what the parameters are that God has set. Because what we want to do is, is we, want to, we want to know the expectations that God has. Now, you may say, well, gosh, why does God have those expectations? Well, here's why God has those expectations. God has those expectations because He is our Creator and He knows what's best for us. And so the things that God asks us to do, the ways that He asks us to live, are not burdensome for us. They are good for us. Are you with me? And so because He is the Creator of us and because He's the Creator of all things... He is the one that understands how things are supposed to work. Now, let me give you an example. God knew, God knew how gravity worked before we did. Are you with me? Why did he know that? Because he created it. Okay? Back before they recognized this, God knew that the earth was round. He knew that. You know why he knew that? Because he created it. He knows your needs 
and my needs. And that's why I feel like it's important that we look at God's very meaning behind marriage. We look at exactly what his expectations are and we look at where, where it came from. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 25. Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 25. Here's what it says. It says, I think it will be behind us here. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper. Now, we have done a really in-depth study in the past about that word helper. We've talked about that word helper, how it's really a, it's, it's more than a completer. It's the other side, okay? A helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave name to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. And here it is, but still there was no helper uh, that was right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of man's ribs and closed the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from the man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. No, uh, now the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. I want to point out something to you in verse, uh, I saw, I saw uh, verse 23 there. It says, at last, can we go back to verse 23? It says, at last, at last, verse 23, right there where it says, at last, let me tell you what, yesterday I did a wedding yesterday and uh, I, I, we always like to have the, the, the groom to look down until his, his, his bride is coming down, and then he'll look up. The expression on the faces is always amazing. And yesterday, I saw at last. I saw it. Um, because here's what it really means. That's what I'm talking about. That's literally what it means. Heck to the yes right there. That's what I'm talking about. And if anyone like me has been married, then we know the feeling because us guys are all just assuming that we'll never get married. Uh, and so we're, we're sitting there looking down, the, looking down the, the aisle and we're seeing this beautiful specimen come down the aisle and thinking the whole time, I have hit the jackpot. Are you kidding me? RJ shaking his head. RJ, you really hit the jackpot too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeez, pray for Miranda. Anyway, so, but seriously, it literally means that. It means yes. That's what it means. It's exactly what it means. I want you to notice something, though. God was the first person to give the bride away. That's the first thing I want you to see. God was the first person to give the bride away to the groom. He also, there, there was a point earlier where it said it's not, it said it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone in verse 18. It's not good for man to be alone. And he knew that and he saw the needs of the man. And so he wanted to fulfill the needs of the man. And he did that. He did that by creating a counterpart, creating a helper. Now let's take a look at and it's funny because uh, a lot of people overlook this too. And you don't think I'm, you can leave that verse up there. He literally said this. 
He said, and this is exactly what he said. He said, heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then, and I don't know if you know this or not, but we always read, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman. That's how we read it. But do you know what? This is a song. This is a song. He broke out into song. So he literally said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Going to call her woman she was taken from me. He was stoked. He was happy. He was excited. I didn't see that excitement when some of you married couples came in today. What's up with that? Are y'all still not excited? You need to be excited. Let's look at what Ephesians says. Let's look at what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 5. Some of you guys didn't like my singing, I could tell, but I'm working on it. Dan won't let me sing in the praise band, so I've got to do the best I can do. All right. I don't want you to miss this part of Ephesians chapter 5. Right before he says these things, he's talking about living in the Spirit. And so I want you to understand something. It's nearly impossible for you to follow the commands of God as it relates to marriage unless you do beforehand what he said, which is live in the Spirit. All right, so let's read what it says. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church as we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. There's a natural order in the way that God has set up how a family is to function, okay? Here's the natural order. The man is to be the leader of the home. I want you to hear that. The man is to be the leader of the home. The wife is to be submissive to the man as the Christian leader of the home. Ladies, before you get too angry, calm down. I'm going to get there, all right? And then the children are, are below that. We're going to talk about this later in another sermon. But a lot of times, here's what happens in the home. The children are the leaders in the home, and the husband and wife are just running around like a chicken with their head cut off, trying to please everything that the child wants. That is called a child-centered home. That is not a biblical model for how a home is to be run. And you will live your life miserable if you live that way. And you will be out of God's plan if you do that. Now let's get back to the portion where it says about submission. 
I want you to know something. The leader role of the man has been abused. It has been abused and it has been used for oftentimes, especially in churches, especially in societies. It has been used for dominance over women for years, which brings me to my first point. And here's the point I want to make. Your marriage, your Christian marriage is to be a mirror. Your Christian marriage is to be a mirror. It's a mirror. Your marriage is to be a mirror between what Christ and the church, that relationship. It's, to, it's supposed to mirror. It's a reflection of what Christ did and what the church's role is. That's what it's supposed to be. Now here's what that means for women. Let me clearly state it what it means for women. If you want to be a mirror of what, of what the church, how, how Christ loved the church, for women, it means that you voluntarily... I want you to hear this, not by coercion, submit to your husband's, listen, biblical leadership. I want to say that again. You voluntarily, not by coercion, you voluntarily submit to your husband's biblical leadership. I want to make a point to you. The submission that I'm talking about is not absolute. I want you to hear that. It is not absolute. That means that your husband can't do just whatever he says and you have to go along with it. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. What God's plan is, is for your husband to lead in such a way that you can't but help to get on board. You can't, your whole desire and your whole heart is to get on board with the plan that God has for your family. That's the goal. But it's not absolute. What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. When your husband, ladies, when your husband goes outside of the boundaries of the scriptures, when he goes from just being dominant instead of being a biblical leader, you do not have the, uh, you, you do not have the, the uh, you, you don't have the obligation to submit because it's not absolute. I've said that before and people are like, oh, wait a minute, that's right. No, li- listen, trust me on this. I'm telling you. God's submission that he wants here is a voluntary, not coercive, it's voluntary, it's not absolute, and you submit only within the context of God's word. Here's the key. It's to be, listen, mutually beneficial for both people. Let me ask you a question. If you've been coming to church for a while, if you've been living your life as a follower of Jesus for a while, do you really think that God would have you ladies do something that wouldn't be mutually beneficial. He knows how you were created. He created man and woman. Do you really think that he would ask you to do something that wasn't mutually beneficial? I want you to know something else. This has nothing to do with value. How do I know that? Let me tell you how I know that. Because Christ submitted to God, yet they both have the same value. Are you with me? has nothing to do with value. Here's the truth, and I want you to hear this. And I said this one time in a message, and I had a lady come down and tell me I was wrong, but she was wrong. Um, She was wrong. (laughs) She was wrong. I want you to hear this. Ladies, and if you're listening at home, I want you to hear this. And if you have a friend, you give give her this advice. If you're being physically abused in your marriage, you need to leave today. I want you to hear that. There is no point in submission where you have to be physically abused. 
and abused in any way. That is not God's plan. Because when a man begins to do that, and we're going to talk about this next, he is breaking covenant with you. And when you breach covenant, then you need to leave. You need to leave. God doesn't call you to sit and get beat up on. He doesn't call you to be be abused in any way. He doesn't call you to do that at all. For the men, well, God has a lot more to say to you guys. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the truth about it, it's a little more difficult for the guy than it is for the lady, to be honest with you. It's a, there's a lot more responsibility for the guy, okay? Here's what he has to say. He asks you to oversee your household, okay? God looks for us, and I always say it this way. <clears throat> God looks for us to set the temperature in the house. What do I mean by that? No, that doesn't mean that you can go put it on 67 when your wife's cold-natured and she has to get four blankets and a, and a, okay, and a heating pad just to stay warm. Okay, in the winter, in the summer. I'm not talking about that temperature. Do you guys know when you walk into a house, when you walk into your house and you can kind of feel, you know, there's just this temperature. There's, there's a feeling that, that you, you can tell if it's elevated. I know this never happened to you, but, but especially if you have kids that are at home. And, and guys, when you walk into the house, you know when mama's had a bad day. Are you with me? You can just feel it. And you're exhausted, but you walk in and you can feel that temperature. And that temperature is just, there's just this in the air, this angst in the air. God calls you, God calls you out of your love for both him and your wife. He calls you to minister to those, the family that you have been blessed with and to bring down that temperature and to do whatever you have to do. Even if you're tired, even if you've had a long day, even... Your responsibility is to set the temperature in the house. If there's strife between you and your wife, it's your responsibility to lead and to bring things back into order. Here's the truth of the matter, and I want you to hear this. There is nothing worse, I want you to hear this, there's nothing worse than a man that won't lead his family. There's nothing worse than a man that won't lead his family. There's not. Nothing worse. Because that, it's almost like a chair, a chair that you can't sit in. The chair was made to be sit in. The man was made to lead. And there's nothing worse when you see a man being unwilling to lead his house. How does he do it? Well, he's supposed to be the biggest servant. Remember, we are Christ. We are the representative of Christ to the church. And what did Christ do? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He served others in the biggest way possible. And eventually, eventually he gave his life. He gave his life for that church. In the same way, men, you too are to be the biggest servants in your home. You too are to be willing to give your life for everyone in your home. You too are are to be the protector. You're to provide. You're to protect. You're to love. Literally, I want you to hear this, literally to death, because that's exactly what Jesus did. What is the marriage goal, though? Like, Christian marriage is a mirror, 
And so we're mirroring the role of church and the role of Christ, and we're to mirror those two things. What is the goal? Here's the goal. The goal is, is for us to outdo one another in honoring one another. That's the goal. That's the goal. To outdo one another. It's a mutual partnership where both sides, and everybody always says, well, we need to go 50-50. Can I tell you something? That's malarkey. 50-50, no. Because you know why? 50-50 only equals 100. You're to go 100-100. Give all that you have 100. They give all that they have 100. And guess what you get? 200. It's a lot more than 100. It's a lot more than 100. I told you guys that we talked, we're going to talk about covenant, and we're going to do that now. Christian marriages are built on a covenant, not a contract or a commitment. I want you to hear that. Christian marriages are built, they're built on a covenant, not a contract or a commitment. You may have thought that when you went down the aisle and you gave your, gave, you know, gave your, your, the rings and you did all, I did that yesterday. Uh, they were exchanging of rings and they both said I do and repeated vows and then they did this little sand ceremony and that was cool. And, and then, but what they were doing is, and I, they recognize it because I always tell people that I, I do weddings for, they were not making a commitment to one another. You did not make a commitment to your wife. What you did is you made a covenant with your wife. Christian marriages are a covenant, not a commitment. Can I tell you what has sunk to the lowest of lows? is marriage. Marriage has sunk to the lowest of lows in our society today. People go in and out of marriages like they're changing their clothes, in and out. It's constant. And there's no real value anymore in marriage. And that's why it is our responsibility as followers of Christ, it's our responsibility to raise that up, to build, to build that back up and show people what a real marriage is supposed to be. And a real marriage is supposed to be more of a covenant. What are the differences? Let me go over some differences with you. A commitment is regulated by the state or the government. I want you to hear that. When you go into a contract with someone, you go into a contract, and that contract is regulated by the state. If you go, if you have a contract with someone and they don't fulfill their end, you go to court, to federal or state court, and you can, you can make them fulfill their end. But it's regulated, it's regulated by the government. A covenant is regulated by God. I want you to hear that. A covenant is regulated by God. That's why I always say this. I always say, listen, you know, you can degrade marriage all you want to, but the truth of the matter is, is that a follower of Jesus is not in a contract or a commitment. They are in a covenant with one another. Contracts, like I just said, they're transactional in nature, okay? They're transactional. There's like a transaction going on, like you're coming down here and you're getting, you know, you're going to get married and it's a transaction between two people. That's not what Christian marriages are. Christian marriages are a covenant. They're relational, not contractual. They're relational and not contractual. Contracts are usually and always limited in a time frame. They're limited in a time frame. When you make a contract or a commitment with someone, you are limited in a time frame. You know, it's like when you're going to rent an apartment. You rent an apartment and they say, listen, your contract is for 12 months, so it will expire on this certain day. Well, see, that's not what a Christian marriage is at all. Christian marriages have no expiration date. 
That's why we say, listen, it's until death do us part. I will make this covenant with you literally the rest of my breathing, waking life. That's what we say to people. A a commitment, a contract is an if-then mindset. If you will do this, then I will do that, okay? If you will do this, then I will do that. If, if, you will, if you will act in this way, then I will act in that way. And I want to tell you something. That's not what a marriage is supposed to be. Your marriage is not supposed to be an if-then situation. It's not. As a matter of fact, you know, it's just like I, I said, like renting, a, renting an apartment. When you rent an apartment, you say this. I will get the benefit, you know, if you will pay me, $1,000 a month, then you will get the benefit of living here. We have a pool and a workout facility, and I'll give you a little card you can get in and out. If then, if then. And we have a lot of marriages that are like that today. Well, if you will do this, then I will do that. And it's almost like there's two people trying to make a bargain. There's two people trying to make some kind of contract. And that's not what it is at all. As a matter of fact, here's the difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant is initiated for the benefit of the other person. I want you to hear that. A covenant, a covenant is initiated for the benefit of the other person. And the promises, listen, the promises are unconditional. If you're going to write anything down, Write that down. The promises are unconditional. There's not an if-then situation. The promises are unconditional. Yesterday when I did the wedding, when I did the wedding, they don't say things at the same time. One, the, the, the man starts and the man begins to speak and says, I will honor, cherish, and he goes down this long list of things. And he's Facing all of his things are for the benefit of the bride. Are you with me? They're for the benefit of the bride. And then the bride turns around and she says all of these things for the benefit of the husband. It's for the benefit of the other. Contracts and commitments are motivated by a desire to get something. That's what they're for. They're motivated. If I, if I need an apartment, I need a place to stay. If I'm living in my car, I'm motivated to go make a contract with someone so that I can pay them money and then I can get a benefit out of it as well. Covenants are motivated by steadfast love for the other person. They're motivated by steadfast love. There's one other difference. There's one other difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant and this is one, this is one that, that's big. A covenant requires confrontation and forgiveness. See, when you have a contract and someone doesn't, doesn't measure up to the contract, you have what is called a breach of contract. You have breached your contract. And then there are rules and parameters within the contract that tells you how to move forward. For instance, if I don't pay that $1,000 rent for the apartment, after a couple of months, I'm going to get a knock on the door. 
and I'm going to answer it. And the guy's going to say, get out. That's what he's going to say. Get out. And I'm going to get out. The difference, though, in a covenant is that a covenant requires a confrontation. Now, why would that be? Well, here's why that would be. When you confront someone, and I know there's very few confrontations that happen in our marriages, right? Let's just pretend like we have these things called arguments. We call them discussions, okay? But when you have this confrontation, it requires both parties to sit down and to work through. And as you work through those situations, you are growing closer and closer and closer together. There's an issue you confront, you grow closer together, and then you do a clear mirror of Christ. You forgive the other person. And guess what happens when you forgive the other person? You and that other person continue to deepen a relationship. Their relationship is not supposed to be as deep on day one in a marriage as it is on day you know, 15,000. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be much deeper. It's supposed to be much deeper. But here's what we do. Our society does this. They leave when there's an issue. The issue is revealed. And instead of going through it together, they end up just leaving. They just leave. I've used this example several times lately, but it's a perfect example here. it's It's like if I have a car that is out of alignment. And I go, and I'm like, you know what? These tires are awful. Because every time I drive down the road, I get pulled to the right. These tires are terrible. I knew I should have went to Walmart to buy these tires. I should have went to Discount Tire. That's what the commercial said. I should have went there anyway. And so instead of fixing the underlying problem, which is the alignment, I go to Discount Tire. I go get a different set of tires. And I put them on the car. Guess what happens when I start driving the car? The car still pulls to the right. Why does the car pull to the right? The car pulls to the right because I never ever fixed the problem that was the issue at hand. I tried to replace what I thought was the issue with a different issue. I tried to do that. I tried to replace one set of tires that were fine with another set of tires that were fine. And the underlying issue was the alignment. And that's the issue that we have today. We have people, I, I heard this, I've heard this all the time, it's, it's crazy. But we have people who will get into marriages and when things don't go their way, they will jump out of a marriage because there's an issue. Because they can't deal with this or deal with that. And what they'll do is, is they'll take and they will go find someone else to marry. There's only one problem with that. You're there too. You can't leave yourself. You're going too. And when you go into that, you're bringing that issue. 
And until you address that, until you address that, you'll never grow and you'll never have a successful marriage. That's what happens a lot of times. The truth of the matter is, is that confrontation and forgiveness is one of the most important things that we can do in our marriages. Because after a while, it decreases and decreases and decreases and decreases. But what it does is, is it grows you closer, not only to your spouse, but it grows you closer to Christ. How many times have you guys been studying the Word and Holy Spirit confronted you about something? You shouldn't have done this, or hey, you see what happened here in the text? You're doing the same thing. How many times has that happened to you? It's happened to me a lot. A lot. The same thing should be true in your marriages. Alignment is the solution. Alignment is the solution. Both the husband and wife have to be aligned. Well, aligned with what? I'm glad you asked. They have to be aligned with God's word. You have to be aligned with God's word. You have to be aligned with God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Students, teenagers, single people, here's where you perk your ears up and listen to what Uncle Barry's going to say to you. All right? I want you to perk your ears up and listen. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? When you're looking for a spouse, when you're looking for a husband or a wife, you need to be attracted to that person. But I want to tell you something even more important. You need to be equally yoked biblically. You need to be equally yoked biblically. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that students, if you want to marry a Christian man or a Christian woman, and you're dating a non-Christian, you are wasting your time. And you will be pulled away. The scripture will call it, you will be, James says, you will be dragged away and enticed. <laughs> That's what he says. You have to be equally yoked, even in your dating life. I was just geeking up to the first question I asked the girl ever was, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? And if they said no, I said, listen, it's been great, you know, great talking to you. We can be friends, but I'm not going to be able to date you. I did that. I had a few people look at me like, well, I don't want to date you either, weirdo. And that was okay. I found one that would date me, and she was kind of a weirdo too. Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate that. Don't be unequally yoked. It's alignment. Think about this for a second. Let's say you're married to someone or you're dating someone who is not a follower of Jesus and they don't have the same value structure as you do. They don't have the same uh, the thoughts and the same value of God or of the scriptures. And you get married. Can you tell me an issue that you're not going to have problems with? Money? <laughs> I mean, every issue that the Bible addresses, you'll have an issue with. The scriptures is the roadmap for life. 
The scriptures have the answers. And in order for you, in order for you to have a Christian, godly Christian marriage, you have to be in alignment. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't matter what your wife's opinion is or your opinion is. It matters what God's opinion is. And you too, listen, mutually submit to God's opinion. That means that when you're having a discussion, you're having an argument about something, and God's word clearly says something about it, that you two submit and say, no, what God said is right. It's a value issue. It's an alignment issue. Why is it? Why is it? And Wendy and I aren't perfect. I want to say that. We're not, we're not perfect at all. Trust me, especially me. We're not perfect. But I will say this about our marriage, and this is the truth. And it's true for my brothers as well, both my brothers. And I think it's the reason why that we've been together as long as we have, and they've been together as long as they have. We, we really strongly agree that God has the final say. We do. We don't, there's not even a question about that. Uh, we, have, we agree that God has the final say. And I believe that's what's helped us argue less and less and less over the years. Okay? Because we agree with that. God has to have the final say, you guys. He does. He really does. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, being single. So if you are single and ready to mingle here, um, we will be talking about how, how what, God's, uh, what God has to say to you. We're going to be talking about kids. We're going to talk to your, your kids here. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going, to, we're going to really go in and do a deep dive on this family life. Because I really believe, I really believe that at its very core, it's what's going to bring revival in our country, is a return to the family. I believe that. I believe that. Because when you can raise godly children, when you can raise godly men and women, they will not leave the word. And that's what needs to lead the way. You guys with me? Let me pray for you. God, we love you. We thank you so much. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the fact that you created the covenant of marriage. I'm thankful that you created the covenant of marriage because, God, left to our own devices, we can really screw things up. We really, really can. And so, God, I just pray that you will allow us over the next two, three, four, five weeks, I, I pray that you will allow us to be open and transparent and honest with one another. I pray that you would allow us to mirror in our marriages Christ and the church. I pray that you would allow us to mirror that. And I pray that you would, that you would allow us to see your truth, even in situations right now going on in our families, that you would allow us to see your truth, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for who you are, and we're thankful for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, uh, you know, this may be a series that helps you in your marriage. I do want to say this. If there's issues that you guys need to address or whatever, I'm available. Wendy's available. We're available to talk to you. Um, and, you know, I can refer you to different people. You know me. I've always said this. There's no shame in going to counseling. Not at all. You may need. I would rather you go to counseling than divorce court. Let's just be real, all right? Counseling is a lot cheaper. Trust me. It's a lot cheaper. I've seen a lot of bad things. And so I'd like for you to get aligned up. Uh, maybe there's things that you guys um, want, to, uh, want to talk about. I encourage you, 
during this time, I encourage you during this series to go home and talk about those things. Go home and talk about what I talked about today. Start a dialogue, start a communication, you know, start a conversation. I think it will help you. I think it will help you in the long run. I really do. Let's stand up and let's sing a final song. The altar is always open for prayer. I'm down here if you need prayer. We're here for you. Let's stand up and let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.